What's up, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Resilient Body Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arnika, the not-so-typical chiropractor, and today we're talking about understanding hip impingement. Today's episode is inspired by conversations I've had with patients about any type of pain or pinching in the front of their hip, usually when they're squatting, when they're doing step-ups or walking upstairs, or just simply bringing their knee to their chest. They experience some type of pain or pinching in that hip. Today, we're going to discuss exactly what hip impingement is. We're going to talk about why hip mobility and core stability are important factors in that. And of course, I'm going to leave you with some movements to start addressing it today. So if you're someone who has been experiencing any of these pinching, any pain, or just stiffness or things, tightness in those hips, this is the episode for you. We're going to talk about what it is and then definitely give you a plan of action to start working on it. So let's get started. Now, What is hip impingement? Now, hip impingement can also be known as femoral acetabulum impingement. That's just this big word of saying where our hip meets our socket. That is where that pinching can be taking place. Now, depending on how our hip is sitting in our socket determines where we're feeling that pinch and what part of that hip joint or joint capsule. Now, in that hip socket, we have this tissue that sits in there called our labrum. You may have heard that term by hearing um, about labral tears or things like that in your hip. That is something that sits in our socket and allows our, what am I going to say, the head of our femur or the head of that hip joint to suck in to its proper position. All right. Now, when we're experiencing pinching, that's something that we can definitely... We affect it by how our pelvis is sitting. So for instance, we'll go a little bit more in depth into that, but if we have more of an anterior pelvic tilt so that our hips are more rotated forward, our pelvis is more tilt forward, we may have an increased extension or more hyperextension into our low back, that can give us more of a pinch in the front of our hip joint as opposed to the other position where if we posterior tilt or bring that pelvis backwards, we can be having a pinch in the back of our hip joint or vice versa. What you may be experiencing if you're someone who has some type of hip impingement is you may be feeling like a dull or ache, pain in the front of our hip, maybe even into that groin area, so going more on the inner thigh. It can be worse with different movements as we talk about like squatting. When you go down into a deep squat, maybe you feel that pinch. When you're going to do step-ups or walking upstairs, that movement involving you having to flex your hip or lift your knee towards your face can cause some of that pain or impingement. Or any type of stiffness, if you talk about hip stiffness, in that thigh, hip, or just groin area. These are things that you may be feeling, and those are some signs that may be an indicator of you having some type of hip impingement. Now, One of the tests that I kind of do when I am assessing to determine if someone is having a pinched hip at the actual joint capsule or if we're having some type of issue with that pesky psoas muscle that you hear so much about is by putting their hip in a certain position. So if you lay on your back, you bring your knee to your chest, one, if that is already recreating some of that pain or pinching, then that is definitely a sign. 
But you bring that knee to your chest, you internally rotate your hip. So that means bringing your knee towards the middle of your body and your foot is out. And then you pull your knee across as if you were trying to pull it to your opposite shoulder. If we're feeling more pinch in that area while I'm doing that to a patient, then I know that we need to look more closely into where they're having that hip impingement at. And most likely it is happening in that hip joint. So I know that most likely I'm going to have to do some type of hip mobility exercise or hip movement in order to open up those hips. Now, let's flow into the next thing since I brought up hip mobility. We talked earlier, which we talked about in the episode notes, and at the beginning of this episode, that hip mobility and core stability are two important factors when it comes to hip impingement. Now, most of the time, when someone is experiencing hip impingement, it means that internally rotating their hip, one, causes pinching or pain, or they just lack that moving in altogether. So they lack that range of motion. Now, because of that, that means that we actually need to get more into that range of motion. But the best way to do that is to work on opening up your hip. Now, when patients are in the office with me, I have this thing and it literally looks like a seat belt. So I wrap it around on the inner part of their thighs. So I wrap it around their thigh. I wrap it around me. And I use my body in order to gap that hip just a little bit in order to move that hip joint around in the socket. People who are experiencing hip impingement love it. And they're actually shocked by, one, how their pain goes away or significantly decreases after we do that mobilization. Or two, how much range of motion we gained internally after doing that mobilization. And then after that, like I tell people, you didn't get injured on the table and you're not going to heal a, heal on one. So after we do that, I stand them up and I take them to do some type of movement that kind of saves that document and reminds the brain what that feels like in our body. And we'll get into more of those movements later on at the end of the episode. Now, obviously, that's something that you can't do to yourself because you need another person. But if you have a band and it's one of the exercises I'm going to tag at the end, then you can work on opening up your own hip and giving yourself a little bit of gap so that the hip joint has a little bit more space to move. All right. So I'll tag that movement at the end on how you can use a band to kind of recreate what I do in the office. Next, we need to look at core stability. The reason why core stability is important is because we forget about these core muscles also attached to our pelvis and sometimes below. Think about, you know, going to our pelvic floor. It is super important when it comes to our hip joint that we have control over our pelvis. If we don't, then we can get things like hip hiking or hip dumping. So think about every time we run, walk, uh, walking upstairs, our hips should remain level. But if one of our hip muscles or core muscles aren't firing in the order that we want them to or just aren't joining the party as we need them to, then our hips become level. I'm sorry, unlevel. And that's how we can lead to things like hip impingement. That's how we can lead like pelvic floor tightness or issues and also low back pain or just SI joint pain. We are not able to literally hold our pelvis level. And because of that, we start putting more pressure or more force into our hip joint. So Learning how to stabilize your core properly with proper bracing is going to be super important in order for you to control your pelvis. If you can control your pelvis, you can control your hip joint, which means that you can control that pinch. All right. Everything is connected. And that is a prime example. How this is a prime example. How when people come to me with any type of hip pain or hip impingement, they definitely want me to move their hip and we're definitely going to check out their hip mobility. But 
I'm checking above, I'm checking below. And specifically, a lot of the things that I check is what their core is doing. Is it joining the party? Is it engaging and stabilizing when I need it to? If our core isn't joining the party, then our hip thinks that it needs to take on the slack or our low back thinks it needs to take on the slack. So we have to check out if you can brace your core properly, how are you stabilizing? And then of course, give some movements to help work on that, which is something I'm going to tag later on in the episode as well. So we'll have some hip things and of course, some core stability things. Last but not least, I want to talk a little bit um, about the movements that I'm going to provide for you and specifically what order I would like you to do them in. Now, when people come into the office, we specifically work on mobility if they need it. Then we move on to stability and motor control. We have to access that range of motion or have control in that range of motion before we can actually start stabilizing and activating and getting muscles to join the party as they should. And then once we actually start Bring, uh, being more aware of the muscles and us engaging or activating them, that's when we need to mo- focus on what's called motor control. And that's making sure that our brain can honestly fire the muscles that we want to in a certain order, in certain coordination to make sure things are doing what we need them to. So when it comes to these movements I'm about to give you, I want you to focus on, and I'll make sure that I try to give them in that order. I want you to focus more on mobility first and then stability or activation and then putting together some type of motor control. So bringing it all together. So first up, um, of course, I definitely have some diaphragmatic breathing up there. I mentioned before how important core stability is. So we need to make sure that we at first can get a 360 degree breath before we even start working on bracing that core. So diaphragmatic breathing is the first thing. Then I want you to move on to some mobility things. So I want you to do some adductor rockbacks, which I remember I told you I'm going to tag it. I also want us to work on some hip mobilization with the band, and I'll make sure I tag that video as well. Then move on to more 90-90 position. Here, we're working on both hips, but we can also focus on more internally rotation, more internal rotation on the hip behind us, all right? Now, after we worked on more mobility, let's move on to more activation and getting that... Um, those, you know, core and glute muscles that work together in order to have more control over our pelvis. So one, we're going to move on to a side plank clamshell. So it involves us adding in our core and our glutes, which is getting us a twofer. And then last but not least, we're going to add in a hip airplane. And this allows us to just work on our glutes, which are an important part of decreasing hip pain or hip impingement. Because a lot of that, what we mentioned, comes in the inner part of our thigh or even on the front of our thigh. I hope you found today's information and today's episode super valuable. I hope that you are someone struggling with this hip pain that you take what you can from this, add it into your daily routine and see what works best for you. If you have any questions, I want to let you guys know that March is Friends and Family Month, and we're actually opening up the schedule now for you to start scheduling. If you want to work specifically on your hip problem or your hip impingement, if you want to learn what you can do at home and get a customized or individualized plan specifically for you, then this month is a perfect time. This is the one month of the year where I discount the first or the initial visit or evaluation um, and kind of just drop that barrier. So if that financial barrier is like, "Mm, I'm not sure, I want to take that out of the equation and really help you focus on getting the help that you need and frankly, getting the help that you deserve. All right. So as always, my goal is to help you move better, feel better, and be resilient. I'll have that you on the next episode.